Good morning, church. I just wanted to tell you thank you for coming and worshiping with us at Gateway this morning. We're excited to have you. Um, I know summer's winding down, and uh, that breaks a lot of people's hearts. Uh, but then we realize our kids are going back to school, so we're very excited for that. So uh, last week I was in St. Albans, and so but uh, I'm glad to be I'm glad to be home. Uh, I, I missed you guys very much, and uh, I, I know you guys had to put up with Dave, uh, uh, but uh, he did a great job. I think he's messing with me though. Uh, I went to my office and I keep on knocking stuff over and I even fell out of my seat once this week. I think he moved everything three inches to the right, but I can't prove it, but I'm going to because uh, uh, it, it was a long week when you keep on knocking stuff over. But uh, so uh, before we even get going, you know, there's, uh, I just want to say thank you, 100%, to anybody that served with us last Sunday at the great day of service. It was very hot. Very, very hot. But yet you guys showed up. We had about 17 families that came out and helped us. Um, I know everyone that went out to Mountain View and uh, uh, saw the mountains of rocks and just looked at me like, what are we doing? I said, we're serving. Now pick up a shovel, right? And, and so uh, we did, they really appreciated it. Uh, and I appreciated you guys. So thank you for coming out. Non-related to that is I have to get back surgery tomorrow morning. Um, I really do. But uh, uh, so if you could pray for me tomorrow, and I just want to give you a heads up. The next couple weeks, I might be uh, preaching from a chair uh, or a sitting position. I haven't gotten lazy, I promise, okay? Uh, so if you could just pray for me as we go through that. So today we're going to be in our last standalone sermon, and then next week we are going to start, personally, one of, the, uh, uh, one of the things I love to preach about the most, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount series for a couple weeks, quite a bit of weeks, actually. And so before we even get to what our lesson is today, I want to talk about the Sermon, Mount, Sermon on the Mount just a little bit because it gets me very excited. And number one is it is the greatest sermon that has ever been spoke ever, okay? There's some really great preachers out there. There's some really great pastors out there, but they don't hold a candle to what Jesus did in that sermon, and so we're going to dissect it and we're going to look at different things uh, because you have to understand uh, when he preached that sermon, thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus Christ that day in millions. So that means one sermon, one impactful word from Jesus Christ changed people's lives forever and he's still doing it today. Amen. And that is why we are going to look into the Sermon on the Mount because there's so much good things that we could take away from that. But the first thing we need to take away is, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, it tells us that we need to be saved by the grace of God, by the, by, by the mercy of God. We need to give our lives to him and be saved. And a lot of people have never asked this question, but what are we saved from? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a thing that a lot of people don't, they just don't like to talk about because it makes people apprehensive and nervous, but we're going to talk about hell, Okay. And I know a lot of you got uneasy when I said that because a lot of times when people talk about hell, there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of anger. We're going to look at it from the point of Jesus Christ, okay? So we're going to look at what it says in Scripture that Jesus tells us about hell, okay? Because here's the thing, when we, when we say that we're saved, we definitely need to know what we're saved from. And, and so that's why we need to talk about hell. Do you know Jesus spoke more about hell than, than he did heaven? There is more scripture passages about Jesus talking about hell than there was heaven. That's for a reason, church. That's because he knew we needed to be educated on what, on what we are being saved from. 
You know, eight weeks ago, I've been here for eight weeks, in my first week or two weeks, we talked about death and grief. There's a lot of things about death and grief that we went over, and there's a lot of things that, that I, I think we need to constantly remember, and that is even if you don't want to admit it, eternity's coming. And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about eternity because a lot of people are uneasy about what eternity is. But church, we need to understand, no matter if we believe it or not, eternity is coming, right? And we have to make a decision about where we're going to spend eternity because death is coming. It may come suddenly. A lot of times it comes unexpected. A lot of times, most of the times, it's very intrusive. Death doesn't care what you have on your to-do list to get done this week. It just shows up anyway. Death is intrusive. And it also, most of the time, it's surprising. So in scripture, it says, man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And in verse 14, he asks, if a man dies, shall he live again? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, church, this is probably the loudest I'm going to get about this, is this. There is judgment coming. You need to make a decision. Okay? There is judgment coming on all of us. None of us are, are immune to the judgment that is coming. None of us. We are all in the same boat that judgment is coming. Now, a lot of people ask this question when we say that judgment is coming. Why would a loving God send anyone to hell? Why would a loving God send somebody that he loves to hell? Well, we're going to touch on that that question throughout the course of our message today. This is what our culture wants to know is what, what is going to happen when we die? Where are we going to go when we die? You know, I'm going to make a bold statement. I don't, and you may agree or disagree, but we have people in our life that we know did not make it to heaven. Now, we can't be 100% sure, but we do have loved ones that, according to their lifestyles and their view on the saving grace of Jesus Christ, it's heartbreaking to say, but we have loved ones that probably spent their eternity in, in hell. Now, a lot of people make jokes about hell. I'm from, uh, we lived up in Michigan, and uh, Labor Day's coming up, and in the state of Michigan, literally the state shuts down because they know that this is the last time uh, before the snow comes, and you can actually go out and enjoy a nice 75-degree uh, day. So on Labor Day, every sh- everybody shuts down, and they go on vacation, and and at the, uh, the church I was at, I asked them, so where are you guys going on vacation? They're like, we're going up to Charlevoix, which is beautiful if you've never been there before. And another one's like, well, we're going to go to Traverse City, and, and Traverse City has the best cherry pie in the world if you're a cherry pie person, and they ship it to you. Just telling that from my own experience. But, but then a lot of people, we had, like, we had a lot of people, I said, where are you going on vacation? And their exact words, like, we're going to hell. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a place that a travel agent would try to sell you to go. I'm just saying. And he's like, no, 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 no. There is a hell Michigan that is a huge tourist attraction. So people go to hell Michigan to take sign or take pictures by the sign that says, welcome to hell. As funny as it sounds, that disturbs me. 
When, when people's like, hey, we're taking our kids to hell. Do you know what you're saying? Do you know what just came out of your mouth? You, and I know it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a place, it's a town. But you know, before the school consolidated with another school, do you know the mascot at hell was the demons? Do you know that every time they got on the basketball floor or a football field, they were saying that we are hell's demons? Church, as light as people make that sound, <clears throat> to me, that's terrifying. Church, hell, hell is not something we need to take lightly or make fun of. There's a lot of questions about hell. A lot of superficial questions like, is hell a literal, literal place or is it just a state of existence? Is, is hell real? If it's real, then where is it at? You know, a lot of us have asked this question, is hell really a place of fire and smoke? We've also asked the question, is the devil, devil the master and ruler of hell? Well, church, there's even some deeper questions that we're going to touch on quite a bit of these today. And that is, why would a loving God even create a place like hell? How could a loving God send people made in his own image to hell? Church, these are tough questions that I think a lot of us, if not all of us, have even thought of. Would God get satisfaction from punishing the lost with his wrath? And the last question, the deep question we're really going to touch on, is will God really send people who've never heard of Jesus to hell for eternity? Church, hell is something that we can't take lightly and we need to talk about. And the reason why we need to talk about it is there's a lot of people out there that are pronouncing the truth about hell, and there's no biblical accuracy whatsoever, but so many people are falling in that trap. Atheism is teaching that there is no hell, there's no heaven. You, when you die, you just don't exist anymore. There's no biblical truth to that. There's another one that's called uh, annihilationism. If you've never heard of this, this is when you die, the, the, the saved go to heaven, and the, the ones that are not saved, they just aren't there anymore. There's another one that a lot of us have heard about, and it's purgatory. Basically, it's a holding position until you make a decision to follow Christ. You don't know how long that, that, that uh, holding cell will last, but that is what they believe is purgatory is when you wait there. Universalism is a belief that, that you go to hell until you get your stuff together, until you make a decision and, and you feel like you've served enough time there, and then you move on to hell. There's even one now that's floating around that hell is whatever you want to make it, right? There's a belief now that tells you that hell is whatever that annoyed you or bothered you on earth will now annoy you and bother you in the afterlife. Church, listen to this. Hell is not an annoyance. Hell is not something that is a slight bother to you. Hell is something that honestly is going to be unexplainable how painful it's going to be. And I know we're getting a little, a little, everyone's uneasy and like, why is he talking about hell so much? Well, we need to. Because there's so many beliefs out there that are not biblically correct. So the three questions we're going to answer today is, is hell a literal place? Hell is a place of, of, of judgment and it's a place of eternal punishment. But church, listen to this. This is where the hope comes in. What we believe about hell will come from Jesus Christ. If, hell, if, the, if what Jesus believes in hell 
That's what I want to believe. Amen? What, what Jesus sees hell, that's what I want to see. But, but a lot of people, we get our information about hell from somebody else that's not even biblically accurate. But us, as believers, as a church that knows that scripture is 100% accurate, we can look at it and say, I want to believe what Jesus believes in hell. I heard a quote this past week that really stuck with me and kind of stepped on my toes a little bit. And it said, you know, this generation we're in right now, they view scripture as a salad bar. I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. Instead of a box lunch where it's already prepared, you just have to consume it. That's exactly what scripture is. It's already prepared. It's not changing. All you have to do is consume it and get into the word. So the first one we're going to touch, touch on is Jesus believed in a literal hell. John 5, 28 through 29 says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who is in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have, good, I'm sorry, have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Matthew eleven twenty three says, And you, Capernaum, will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Jesus is talking about literal places. Capernaum is a literal place. It is still a place that you can, you can visit in northern Israel. Capernaum is a literal, a literal place. And then in the same scripture, believe it or not, Sodom is a literal place. Sodom is a place that they, the, uh, a, a uh, archaeologist, his name was uh, Stephen Collins, he dug for 10 years to find where Sodom was located. And you know how he thinks, uh, how he knows that he found it? It's because in Genesis 19, it says, the Lord rained down sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know the location, the only location on the face of this planet that the sulfur content is over 90%? It's in Sodom. They find these, these little balls of sulfur, and when they test them, it's 90 to 95% pure. But yet a volcano, when it erupts lava that is full of sulfur, is only 45 to 50%. That's because Sodom and Capernaum was a literal place. So Jesus tells us that hell is a literal place. It exists. It's there. And when, when we look at it, you know, uh, Matthew 23, 33 says, you servants, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Mark 9, 43 says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Luke 12, 5 says, but I will warn you whom to fear, fear him who after he was killed, his authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. Church, I truly believe that hell's a literal place because Jesus tells us it is. And Jesus is a literal savior. He literally died for you. Jesus literally saved you. So when Jesus says that hell is a literal place, we need to believe it. There's a lot of people out there that believe it's a state of mind. That hell is something that just exists in our mind. But hell is a literal place, and Jesus tells us this. Number two, Jesus believed in a punitive hell. Punitive means punishment. 
Matthew 13, it says, uh, if you guys have ever heard of the parable of the net, this is it. And it says, 47 says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and set it down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Church, I get it. And I'm just going to throw it. We're right in the middle. So I'm going to say this. I know it's not always good to motivate with fear. That is not what I'm trying to do from this pulpit today, from this stage. I am not trying to motivate you with fear, but there is a fine line that we need to have a healthy dose of the fear of God. Amen? We need to have a healthy dose of the fear of God, and here's why. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. There are people out there right now that are not afraid of hell whatsoever. That breaks my heart. There's people out there right now that they are not afraid of any type of punishment. That breaks my heart. Church people are seeing hell as not something they're afraid of. Some people are looking at it as something they're looking forward to, church. If we are a believing church in Jesus Christ and the saving power of Jesus Christ, church, this should put a burden on your heart. If you know someone that, that they are looking forward to going to hell, that should put a burden on your heart that they hear about Jesus Christ every time they come in contact with you. Church, there's people out there that they use the word hell in this way. They believe that hell is, is, is not as, as awful as it is, that there's not as punishment as it is, because a lot of people tell somebody that they disagree with to go there. Church, if we only knew the extent of the punishment that people are going to receive in hell, we would never tell anybody to go there, even our own worst enemy. In church, if we tell people to go there because we're angry or we're mad, well, maybe you don't 100% understand the reason why Jesus Christ came and died for us. Church, that one hurts and I understand that, but we use that phrase way too often to hurt somebody. Church, we use that phrase way too often just to get a leverage up on a, on a disagreement. Church, do you know what you're doing? You're telling somebody that still has the hope of Jesus Christ to take over their heart to go to a place that that, that does not exist. Church, I know it's something we say a lot and a lot is like, well, that's not even a curse word. It's not, but you're cursing someone to hell. You're telling them to go there. Church, that's not how we act. Amen? That is not how we act as a body of believers, as someone that believes in the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus believed in a punitive hell. And I get it, the fear of punishment. I told you, I don't want to scare anybody, but there's, there's a fine line between, between a healthy fear. Think of it this way. Sometimes I speed. I really don't speed very much. I, I promise you. I've only been pulled over once, and I was 16, and I've never been pulled over since. I've never gotten a ticket since. So I'm not the one who speeds. She's not here, so this would be about my wife, okay? Um, sometime, but we'll say me so I can sleep at home tonight. So sometimes 
I obey the speed limit because I want to be a safe driver, right? Sometimes I obey the speed limit because I just don't want to take it, right? There's that fear of punishment. But when I was growing up, I really was a safe driver because I never wanted to tell my mom I got a ticket. That would have been worse than going to jail, just saying. But sometimes we drive to be safe. Sometimes we drive because we just don't want the punishment. Sometimes we pay our taxes because we want to support our country. Sometimes we pay our taxes because I don't want the IRS showing up at my door, right? Sometimes your child obeys you because they want to be good little kids. (sighs) Must be nice. Anyway, but sometimes your kids listen to you because they respect you. They love you. And they know that you have the best interest in their mind. Sometimes, sometimes they listen to you because they just don't want the punishment, right? I knew when I was five years old that my mom was wrong about everything and I was right about everything, but I would always tell her she's right because I didn't want the punishment. I was being very sarcastic. I was never right when I was that. But no, that's how we live is sometimes we just want to obey and that's how we live. But sometimes we obey because we just don't want the fear of the punishment, and that's what a good, a good, solid uh, fear of God, it looks like. So the apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we, per- we persuade others. Romans 3.18 says, uh, Paul says, that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Church, when we look at hell, there's gonna be different types of punishment, and this is something we need to talk about. There's going to be physical punishment. Luke 16 says, I am in anguish in this flame. Church, when I get to this part of talking about the different types of punishment that's going to be in hell, this one almost makes me break down a little bit. Church, if we think the physical punishment that we maybe carry while we're here on this planet Church, I don't even want to imagine what it's going to be like in hell. Church, when we look at the physical punishment that we, that there is in hell, this is the one that I want to avoid the most. I don't want to be physically punished for the rest of my life, for the rest of my afterlife, I'm sorry. The next one is there's, uh, physical, I'm sorry, psychological punishment. In Ghana, this was a reference to an old historic place where they would have sacrifices. And after the sacrifices, they would throw them in uh, and, and they would burn them in this location. And, and it says in, in Jesus' day, it was a garbage dump where trash was burned day and night. Jesus used this image to paint the picture of hell. We read earlier that it is a continually burning, smoking place. Church, when we look at the physical, the physical uncomfort, the physical pain that hell offers, we need to understand that we need to combat that knowing that if you love Jesus Christ and you are saved by Jesus Christ, church, there is no pain in heaven. Amen? So that person that you had in your life that was struggling so mightily with physical pain here on, on earth, if they knew Jesus Christ... There is no more pain. Church, that's what I want. I want to go to a place there is no physical pain. I want to go to a place where, where, where everything about me works. Church, there's a lot of questions that we have about hell, and 
There's a lot of people that, that can answer them, but the only one that could truly answer them is God. And some of them we, we, we can get a good grasp, a hold of. There's some of them, if you ask me, I, I'll tell you, I don't know. And that'll be a great question for you to ask God when you have conversations with him. I don't know all the answers, all the hell questions. Nobody really does. But this is why we're looking at what Jesus tells us. So when we look at the, 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 physical, the psychology, I'm sorry, the psychological punishment, the physical punishment, and this is the one that let's talk about the most, the spiritual punishment. They're, they will suffer the punishment of external destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Church, I never, ever, ever want to be away from the presence of the Lord. But church, that's the worst part about hell is knowing what you are learning right now, that there is a God that loves you and he sent your son, or sent his son to die for you, and you are in the presence of the Lord. But it tells us in scripture that hell, there is no presence of the Lord whatsoever. Church, I do not want to be away from the presence of the Lord. When we look at everything we go through every day, think about it. The last time you had a really bad day, maybe it's today, and you're like, let's go to church, and you show up, and he's like, oh, goodness, he's talking about hell, right? You had a really bad day. Think of it this way. How bad, of the day, how bad of a day would it have been if you would have been out of the presence of the Lord? Church, we only believe what we see. But you need to understand that God is with you anything you go through. Sometimes, sometimes he lets you find things out for yourself, just like we do with our kids. Pearson Parker found out a lot of things by themselves. A lot of them ended in scars, tears. Gracie just found out about them because she saw how, uh, how her brothers did stuff and decided not to do it, right? But when, when we learn for ourselves that Jesus Christ saves, we are in the presence of the Lord and God, our church, I never want to be away from God, amen? Never. And that's the, one, the part that really breaks my heart is spiritual punishment. You will be taken away from the presence of the Lord, knowing that there is a saving Christ out there and you had a chance. Number three and the last one is Jesus believed in a literal hell. He believed in a punitive hell that causes punishment. But he also believed in an eternal hell. Matthew 25, 46 says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Luke 8, 31 says this, the demons begged him not to send them. They knew the demons begged to not go to hell. The demons begged to not go to that source of punishment. And then we read again in Revelation 20, it says this, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This gives us some insight about why God created such a terrible place. Church, this is where the uphill climb comes, I promise. God never created hell for any of us to go there. Scripture tells us that he created hell for the devil and the demons. 
Matthew 25, 41 says, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God never intended for you to go there. You see, God does not want any of us to perish. He truly loves you. One of the questions at the beginning was, if God created me in his image, why would he send me to hell? Church, that is a hard question to answer, but it's simple. God loved you. He still loves you. And he doesn't want any of you go to hell. That is exactly why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Church, I know it sounds simplistic, but right here is where it's 100% true and accurate, just like scripture is. God never intended for any of his children to go to hell. And the reason why is because he loves you. And a lot of you are like, well, if he loved me, then why do people I know are, are going to hell? Well, if he didn't love you, he never would have sent his son, Jesus Christ. Think of that. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. I know as a parent, I want the best for my kids. I think all of you could agree, right? I want the best for my kids. I do everything in my power to, to protect my children. And I know sometimes they're going to make bonehead decisions that they're going to have to, there's going to be punishment for it. And I know, even though I love them, I know I have to punish them. And you know, when I was, when we were raising our kids, Parker, we had to punish him that he had to stand in, or I'm sorry, Parker, you gave him a look. Break down, oh, I'm so sorry, and never do it again. Pierce, he'd have to stand in the corner, that wouldn't work. We, we, we'd, uh, we'd pat his butt, that wouldn't work. You tell him to sit down and don't touch anything, oh my goodness. That was, that was the breaking point for that boy. Gracie, she was the one we had to punish simply by saying, did you see what your brothers did? And she's like, oh yeah, I won't do that again. Exactly, right? Church, when it comes to God's love for you, and I know we talk about this a lot, God's love for you is exactly like a father. He loves you. He gives you the option of choice. He encourages you, and most importantly, he educates you how to make the right choice. And then when that doesn't happen, there is punishment. But church, here's the, the greatest thing about what we are talking about today. You have breath in your lungs. You have a beat in your heart. It is not too late to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. It's not. And that's the hope every day that we need to look to. I know hell is an awful place, and by your quiet, it's an awful place to talk about. I understand that. But we need to understand that there are people out there that they are just not afraid of hell anymore. They're living their life like they want to live it. They're doing what they want to do. They're going by their own rules. They believe that scripture is a recommendation Church, we need to believe and know that when we make decisions every day, there is consequences. I tell people all the time that I love this younger generation. I truly do. Being a youth pastor for 20-some years, I love teenagers. I love being around them. But there's something that has gotten in their head. I don't know where it came from, 
But they believe that whatever they do to make them feel good, there is no punishment from that. Church, listen to me. That is wrong. And we need to teach our generation that that is wrong. Our generation is learning about heaven and hell from people that have never read a Bible in their life. Church, when we talk about the lasting hope that Jesus Christ offers, hell is eternal, church, but so is heaven. Hell is excruciating pain. Church, heaven is never-ending rejoicing. Church, I know hell is terrifying and scary, but church, heaven is something that gives you 100% total peace. Church, this side, those three things that I just said should be all it takes to keep us away from this side. Church, when we look at things in our life that we make bad decisions, it is a decision. And with you accepting Jesus Christ, it is not a death sentence. Church, I know we make mistakes. I make mistakes. I, do, I, I also make bad decisions. But church, I believe in the absolute saving grace and power of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so should you. Hell is something we talk about not to scare you, but to motivate you. I do not want you to, 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 to go away from this message thinking, well, Pastor Jed really scared the you-know-what out of me. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show you that, yes, there is a really bad side, but there is a really glorious and great and absolutely amazing side over here. And we need to decide that we need to be over here. But some of us do this, right? I won't be able to do that tomorrow. That'll hurt a little bit. But we stand, some of us stand right down the middle and be like, well, I'm just going to straddle the fence. Church, either you're all in or you're all out. As we come into close, I've beat you up long enough. Church, hell is a literal place with never-ending punishment. But heaven is something that gives us hope every day. Church, I've had a lot of people in my life that I know were believers. I know that they went to heaven and church, one day, I cannot wait to share my testimony with them on how I got there. Tell them about all the things that God has taken me out of. Church, that's my hope for you. That, that God puts something in your heart that you realize you have to pick a side. And I know it's one of the toughest decisions we can ever make, but if you choose correctly, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time, God, I know we talked a lot about the bad. But God, as we learn from the Sermon of the Mount, one encounter with Jesus Christ can save somebody's life. One encounter with Jesus Christ can take them out of the pits of hell and bring them into your glory, God. God, one conversation with you can mute all of the distractions of the enemy. God, I know 
that hell is a place that scares us. Hell is a place we don't like to talk about. But God, we have to know what you're saving us from. God, and we are so grateful that you have chose to save us, that you have chose to give us peace and hope throughout our everyday life. God, as we come to this time, God, I pray that somebody's heart is open, that somebody has the, 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 just the burden put on their heart for somebody, maybe in their life, Lord, that they're going down the wrong path. God, that's what I lift up to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, is God, that we all pick a side and we do whatever we can to stay there. Amen. Church, as we come into this time of response, if you do not know what side you are on, you need to make a decision. If you don't know what side you believe in, you need to make a decision. Church, I am not here to scare you. I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. And if you're ready to make a decision to follow him, I'll be standing right down there. I would love to pray for you, pray with you. I would love to, to lead you to know who Jesus Christ is. Church, it's time we make a decision. It's time we chose a side. Amen, let's stand.